0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Achtung, achtung! In this bonus episode of We Have Ways of Making You Talk, we have James messing about in tanks, including one of the stars of the film, Fury. Oh, what larks! I love a good Sherman. Well, we're at the Chalk Valley History Festival, and um, basically this this whole festival is put on as an excuse by me to get all my favourite things here. So I'm now surrounded by um, uh, two Sherman tanks, an M10 Achilles, a Panzer Mark IV. Over there is a US Army gun tractor, and 90mm anti-aircraft gun. On the hill is a giant Hawker Typhoon. Um, And lots of my favourite people, and and, and really, you know, I like to sort of think that I'm doing this for altruistic reasons, but really it's completely selfish. Um, And I'm now sitting in the turret of your tank, Agent Barrel, um, your Sherman that you have lovingly restored, and it is absolutely amazing. I've never seen anything like this. I just want to describe that this is a fully functioning active gun turret of an M4 Sherman tank. That's correct. Yeah, and welcome aboard. Thank you. And um, I was just literally about to put my 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 foot up somewhere, and I, I realised that on the tin it says hand grenades. I'm now thinking perhaps I'd better not. But um, or is it safe to kind of rest? No, my I foot think there? you'll be safe to have your foot there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but but again. the first thing I noticed is is that everything's painted pretty much white.
1: Yes. Well, obviously uh, tanks have a limited amount of. Uh Roof space in that they're fully armoured, so you've just got the hatch. And obviously getting daylight to make a functioning crew is quite important. You don't always want to rely on artificial light. So if you paint everything white,
0: much easier to see. All the light that does come in is reflected much better. Yeah, that makes absolutely perfect sense. And just one of those things that I never really... Thought about, but sure. it's completely logical, and of course it's going to be white. And I suppose uh, w- w- what are we? We're in, we're, the, there's there's the kind of sort of the car, the steel turret, and it, and it looks reassuringly thick, um, but it's sort of bolted onto it. It's a it's a kind of sort of basket, a sort of meshed basket with a kind of plate floor, in which the gun sort of protrudes through the middle, the main seventy five millimeter gun. There's a there's a, a a bunch of of seats. There's various wheels and switches and um, i think i'm looking at a periscope here there's a, there's a there's a sort of maglite the torch um, clipped to the ceiling behind me is what looks very much like a thompson submachine gun with a, correct. with a rack of of magazines behind there's a radio yes correct radio what is that a number 19 That's set? A 19 set the standard no. british God, look uh, at that. And, radio the and period. i should just say that um, the agents just lifted up the canvas uh, canvas cover and just look at it look at all those dials and switches it's got a sort of grill over to over it to protect the front of it so you can get to all the dials and everything but it but it's got a sort of protective um grill there Um, Another torch here, a pistol and its holster, um, binoculars, um, all sorts of bits and pieces, water bottles down below. I mean, it's just complete and it's just, it's wonderful to see. It really is an absolute thing of wonder. So this basket, so you're you're cut off from the rest of the crew, aren't you really? (laughs)
1: Yes, well, you've got a five man crew all together. Oh, no, I can see the
0: co driver there.
1: Yeah, there are gaps in the basket to allow access to further ammunition storage and general maintenance. Yep. But essentially, what you wanted is for the crew in the turret to rotate with the turret. So, wherever the turret is pointing, the crew are in the correct positions relative to their tasks be it commanding the tank, firing the gun, loading the gun, working the wireless
0: set. And of course, the other thing that y- you're immediately conscious of is just how cramped it is.
1: They're actually. In terms of tanks of the period, surprisingly roomy. But, yeah, we look at them now in a fresh, and you get in, and you think, yeah, to actually live in here, there's not a lot of room.
0: There really isn't, is it? I, so I'm on the lower commander's seat at the moment. That's correct. I'm, and behind me, I'm leaning against another seat, so that if I... if I, Let me just see if I can do this. Um, so if I, I'm raising myself up out of the turret, and then there's this seat here, which you're just hoisting up. I can now... Uh, maneuver myself. So now this is the more familiar position that one thinks about, of, of of a sort of arms, shoulders and head stuck out of the top of the turret um, while you're in the loader's position, aren't you? I am, On the yes, left-hand I'm, side I'm, of the gun. Unfortunately, I don't even have a hatch. No. So
1: um, I'm definitely cut off from everybody else here, rather. OK, well, I'm going to get down... For, I'm going to s- stop
0: pretending I'm a tank commander. Um,
1: Interesting, though, the position, p- the position you were in there, of course, was a good position for visibility to enable the commander to operate the tank, but he's very, very vulnerable to sniper
0: fire and mortar fragments. Of course, which is why so many tank commanders come a cropper. And yeah. uh, I'm always struck by that amazing statistic um, of the Sherwood Rangers Yeoman Room. You think that, the, you know, in a regiment of... Of 800, you know, a tank regiment, of 800 men, 200 would be in the tanks, of which 36 would be officers. And in the Sherwood Rangers Yeomanry, who landed on D-Day at uh, on June the 6th, by the end of the Normandy campaign, they were uh, they'd lost 44 officers, which is obviously a huge amount. I'm now on the on the gunner's position, and and Adrian is adjusting the seat to get my. Um, enormous long legs in um, but again it's pretty crap so I'm now in the gunner's position I'm resting my head against some sort of dense padded foam which is presumably this is the periscope right that would
1: be the uh, gunner's periscope which in this early model tank has his only sighting device there's a small telescope inside that periscope right and yeah you rest your head against the pad which keeps your eyes
0: in the correct position and my I, I've got my hand on a black um, turning wheel with a little handle and this does what? That traverses the turret. Okay. Now, Can I got do a, Yeah, It's probably locked at the moment. Okay, well, let's not worry about that. But, okay, do, but you've, got ma- you've got manual
1: and power. So in manual, it's a very slow because obviously you've got five tons of turret to turn. Yes. And although it's on a free rotating bearing, right, it takes a lot to turn it. But when it's in power, the wheel turns the same way, but actually that drives
0: through motors to give you full God, power. It's a bit like power that's steering really in your clever, car. isn't it? Yeah. So effectively, this is a power steered turret. Effectively, yeah goodness me i had no idea about this and th- then on my left hand i've got another white turning wheel with a sort of knob that you can hang on to and presumably that's that's to traverse and that um, elevates, and, and, that's elevates yeah so that will if you turn that that the gun will go up and down
1: oh yeah look at that and not oh, only yeah. is it fairly well balanced but i can see
0: you better agent the sherman of course has the stabilizer yes yeah, so where is this stabilizer because i think this is absolutely amazing so for those who don't know the sherman tank and the, and the one that preceded it the m3 grant are the only tanks of World War II to have a gun stabilizing gyro? That's correct. Centurion did have it. Right. And that was the first British tank to have it. And of course,
1: although that did come out in 1945, it was very, very early days. So, strictly speaking,
0: the only tanks to have it in service were the uh, Sherman and Grant. And presumably, the, sta- the, the gyro, the stabilizing gyro, just means that when you're on the move, it stops the barrel, kind of, it sort of corrects the barrel from sort of jumping around. Yeah, it keeps
1: the barrel at a fixed elevation. So, as the tank pitches cross country, the barrel stays on the same elevation. God, now, the that idea amazing. isn't so much that you fire on the move, yeah. it's more to keep the gun on target. So, the second you stop, the gunner only has to make very minor adjustments rather than
0: hunting for the target again. Got you. So Which it, means on the move, and when you suddenly stop, you can fire a lot more accurately yes, than if you don't. Yes, quicker have it. and more
1: accurately, yeah.
0: And actually, I mean, because this is one of the things that everyone just assumes that the the Sherman tank has got a much smaller gun than, than a, um, a Panther. Or, uh, or a tiger which of course is true but actually your ability to get your enemy th- there are other factors involved aren't there? Oh absolutely
1: it's, it's to some extent it's who fires first it also depends on the tactical situation it depends on the target you're firing at. But if you look at the ammunition that's held in the tank, there's 97 rounds of main armament ammunition, 60% of which was high explosive. So it was clear. And only 30% was armour-piercing. So it was quite clear where they felt the most likely targets for their gun was going to be. you was much more likely to need to knock out anti-tank guns, buildings, troop concentrations, soft-skin vehicles... Right. ...than you are other tanks.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and you're, yes, you're conf- you're confirming... Exactly that, that everyone always assumed it's a tank-on-tank duel, and that's what tanks yeah. do, but actually they hardly ever do, don't they? No,
1: it's just a, a relatively minor amount of what you're doing.
0: Because if you're coming up against a Tiger tank, then obviously you're going to be firing armour-piercing at it.
1: You probably would if you had one up the spout, but very often... An HE could do just as much good because if you hit it with an HE, you might knock out all its optics, all the periscopes, yeah. the vision devices. Yeah, yeah. Fire a smoke round and he's covering in white right. for smoke so he can't see, he can't operate. He's then at a tactical disadvantage because he's blind. Yes. You can be maneuvering to get a flank shot into him. So, very often, an HE round or a smoke round is the right round for the job, even against a heavily armoured tank.
0: I mean, I'm just so struck by the sophistication of what we're finding in here. I mean, you know, you have to remember that this this is. You know, this is 1942 to 1945. We're talking about in terms of the Second World War. Yeah, well, this you tank know.
1: was built in September 1942, so it was an wow. early, an early version.
0: I mean, it really is. You know, the technology of the day. I mean, that is really advanced, isn't mm. it? Yes. And you think how how quickly and how fast they've come since the First World War and those sort of lumbering landships. Yes,
1: really. Since the 1930s, it was it was a great leap in technology in the latter
0: stages of that period. And actually, the way everything fits in, I know it's cramped, but it is all kind of logical. And actually, it's quite neat, isn't it? I mean, I've just noticed this kind of row of 75mm shells. And again, you've got a mixture of of HE and, and armour piercing here. And again, it's just all very logical. You can see where you're sitting, you're the loader, and you want to get it into the into the breech. And they're right beside you, easy to grab, easy to put in. Yes, they are. Unfortunately, that has a downside, of course, and that they're rather exposed. And
1: British practice had always been to put the ammunition in armoured bins below the turret level. Right. The Americans didn't, and of course, Shermans had a bit of a propensity to ignite because of the ammunition storage.
0: Yes, because people would call them ronsons and always assume it's something to do with a diesel engine and actually got nothing yeah. to do with it no, at all. No, it's all to do with the ammunition. Yeah, because if, if... I mean, I mean I remember doing this experiment once where we, we did an 88 millimeter charge on... I think it was something like 50 millimeter, pl- uh, you know, armour plate. Uh, and it was incredible, the damage that... that took place it actually only punched a very very small yeah. hole all the way through but on the reverse side of where the where the shell hit the spalling that came out from the inside the opposite side of where the where the, the shell struck was absolutely incredible There was just little bits of kind of white hot metal that were just flying around in all directions mm. and of course only one of those has got to ke- hit the propellant of that yep, and that's it's, all it takes and it's good night charlie yeah. isn't it yeah wow well, I'd love to go into the into the forward compartment. So can we hoik ourselves out and sure. maybe if you go into the driver's compartment and I go in the co driver? Okay. Yep. Is that all right? No problem. So, Adrian, we managed to um, get ourselves in you a lot more easily than I did. Um, you're in the driver's side on the left-hand side, and I'm in the co-driver's side, but actually there's no co-driving to be done here. No, it? he has no driver's controls. It's just either an auxiliary driver or hull gunner, oh. bow gunner. It's had various names over the years. But the go-driver would know how to drive? Every crew member could do the basics of every position, yeah. So if, if something happens to you, I can just squeeze across and yes. take over. That's yes. the idea. Absolutely. Okay, and I've got what I have got is is what looks like a thirty caliber machine gun in That's front of me. That's correct. Yeah, um, uh, with with a, a nice big belt of, of ammo. And the other thing I'm seeing is a um, MFD manufactured by Chrysler Corp. Medium N four powertrain, 1942. There you are, number six thousand
1: five hundred and ninety five. Well, Chrysler were unusual that you made this tank because they made everything. They made the engine, they made the transmission, they made the hull, the turret, everything. Well, the castings they didn't make. They brought those in. But So this is the thousandths that they built? Of that transmission, yeah. But they probably started at um, serial number 1,000 or something. Right, so, right, right. Because this tank was uh, the 462nd M4A4 built, I think. So, oh, really? Yeah.
0: God, so it it's is only really... In the, in
1: the, they started in July forty two, and this is September forty two. Goodness me. So it really is super rare, isn't oh, it? Quite. It's an early one. has all the early features with the direct vision slits in front of the driver's hatches.
0: Okay, and there's some headphones here. So you'd have those on all the time, would you? Because you have to... Presumably you have to have an intercom. Or else just you just have, have to have an intercom.
1: Obviously the commander ultimately is issuing orders to all the crew members. There's a degree of autonomy in that the, the co-driver position where you are is essentially his role is to fire the machine gun. So if he saw anything suspicious, he'd just be encouraged to open fire. He wouldn't wait for an order to hose that hedge down or shoot that German. He'd just do it. And the driver, similarly, he did have a degree of autonomy. He would usually be given an objective. Yep. It would be, OK, driver, we want to get to that crest line, stop just below the crest line. Probably best avoid that hedge line, drive advance, and then it'll be up to the driver which route he actually took.
0: Got you. And, and, and we've got the transmission, presumably, in, in between us here. Yep, this is a five-speed synchromesh gearbox, five-speed and one reverse. Wow, that's just amazing.
1: And, and, and how easy is it to drive? It's quite easy. The gear, it's a very slow synchromesh, so sometimes you have to uh, take the gear at the right time. So you, you're reading the ground. You don't want to change up. Uh, Just as you come up a slope, you want to just crest the rise or look for a hollow in the ground and then get the gear. Because obviously the tank has so much rolling resistance, if you try and change gear on an upslope, it will stop before you get the gear. But otherwise it's fairly easy, it's all very mechanical, there's no power assistance. There's a big big spring on the clutch pedal which helps you hold it down, but it still requires a fair bit of force. Right. And the brakes, and hence the steering, are just great long levers with an enormous mechanical advantage, pulling a big brake inside the final drive compartment. And you've got a throttle on the right-hand foot. Yep. So right foot on the throttle, left foot on the clutch, steering and brakes with your two levers. You've got a conventional gear lever with a push button for first and reverse because you'd yep. normally pull away in second. And then there's a parking brake on this one, which is a big cone on the back of the gearbox. Again, an early feature. This was deleted in production, and they put a simple ratchet system on the steering levers.
0: Right. But, I mean, you know, in terms of repairs, obviously the, the most important things to be able to get to are the transmission and to the engine. Yes. Engines at the back. Hatch on the back. That's quite easy to get get to. Yeah, they were for one thing they were very reliable. Yes. The Americans were
1: excellent automotive production engineers. So, yes, they're simple. They may not be technologically particularly advanced other than certain features such as the gyro stabilizer, but mechanically they were very simple and hence very reliable. So you, you weren't forever having to repair them like you were the German tanks. No, but sure. they were much easier to do so when you did. And a great deal of interchangeability. You could take this front end out you could fit the one from the M10, even though they're different. This is much earlier. They would just
0: bolt straight in. But if I want to get to the transmission, how do I get to that? I mean, apart from I can see there's some bolts here and things. So minor I would just work,
1: you would work here. You can adjust the brakes. You can change the brake bands from inside. But it's really I can't remember exactly, but it's about 50 bolts, and then the entire transmission assembly, gearbox, final drives, differential, steering housing, just comes out the front of the tank.
0: Wow. It's it's a big lump, isn't it? Yeah, it's a a
1: four-and-a-half-ton lump, but it's one
0: piece. Yeah. Nothing else has to come out. I mean, I'm just completely struck by, although any tank is incredibly complicated, this is about as straightforward as it's going to get, isn't it?
1: Yeah, they they were comprehensively equipped, but
0: the actual engineering was relatively simple. And crucially, relatively easy to maintain. Reliable and easy to maintain. And eminently replaceable. Yeah, that's what you want. And I think all too often, you know, when people are looking at tanks, they're just looking at big guns and big armour and scare factor.
1: Well, those are the three things with tanks. It's always firepower, mobility and protection, which are the important elements. But, of course, ultimately, you you need tanks in the battlefield that you can rely on at the start of play that are going to be there at the end of play, other than being knocked out. And if they are knocked out, you want
0: to be able to easily repair them or easily replace them. Well, this seems pretty hard to beat, I've got to say. Wow, that's amazing. Well, thank you, Adrian. That's, um, what a treat to, um, to step inside and uh, get a proper view of such a rare and historic, uh, historic tank. So thank you very much. You're very welcome.